myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello, and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, my guest is fellow podcaster Raj Montage of the On Call Empath podcast. Raj is an empath currently living in Michigan, where his family currently resides. He's thinking about moving in the future, as you'll hear in this episode. We really hit it off. It was a really fun conversation. We kind of get sidetracked by having similar life experiences growing up. And so we talk a lot about that and a lot about our similar music tastes, as well as what life is like in Michigan and in Texas. Then we kind of get into his fear of small spaces, both like literal claustrophobic types and also perceived. It's a really interesting and fun episode. So here, without further ado, is Raj Montage. Welcome to the Sum of All Fears. My guest this week is a fellow podcaster who just recently, you know, started his own podcast called The On Call Empath. The host Raj Montage joins us here on the Sum of All Fears podcast. How are you doing today, Raj? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Ryan? Well, launch day came and launch was told that even though you did upload it Monday morning, it doesn't <laughs> doesn't mean your podcast is available Monday morning. If you right. subscribe, it is there. <laughs> so I had to de- I had to subscribe to my own podcast to see that my episodes did upload. There you go. You're your first subscriber. <laughs> I don't know if I am or not. I may I, I think I have one subscriber, some mystery subscriber who subscribed first. And it could be my parents. Could it could be. <laughs> And then they'll be the first to unsubscribe at this point. So, Raj, you do a podcast called The On-Call Empath, which you kind of have gone on a journey where you, I would say, have kind of learned that you're, what do they call, a hypersensitive, empathic person. Tell us a little bit more about how you came to that discovery. Sure. So... I mean, it started when I was uh, probably growing up, going through the whole schooling system, some of the experiences that I've come across, you know, just kind of feeling different from the very beginning and absorbing people's energy, which I'll uh, kind of talk more about later. But once I absorbed that energy, it would kind of, you know, based on my mood, it would kind of play a role in, in my reality. So... Um, I didn't know what it was until recently. I didn't know the name, what an empath or a highly sensitive person was. But once I found out to what it was and I identified with it, um, I was like, I hit the lottery. I'm like, that's why that that really resonates with me, and mm-hmm. that's where the on call was empath was born. I've I've done the same thing too. Like, there's always been something different about me, and. Somebody mentioned, you know, you could be this. And I looked at the symptoms and I'm like, looking at my whole life, like all the questions I've ever had about who I was or why I acted that way. 
just seemed to with every read of every symptom was like well there's an answer there it checked checked because when you do kind of go on that journey to try to find out you kind of find things that do kind of fit it's like a puzzle piece like you know oh this looks like it fits and for a minute or two it does and then another piece will you'll try to click another piece in and it's like okay that's not not exactly it correct when you do find that correct i guess maybe you know possibility or diagnosis if you do get it you know actually tested and it's like a it's like a burden so it helps you kind of understand and i would say almost even gear your life towards it that's a good way of putting it um what i usually tell my my uh listeners is like think of a puzzle and when you open a puzzle like there's green pieces and there's red pieces now for someone like myself um being 100% empath would be all green and then having a couple red spots in, in inside the puzzle maybe I'm kind of like 80% or 60% here so i mean to be 100% i i mean I'm, there's bits and parts of me like as far as introversion and extroversion i find myself going back and forth between two i i adjust based on the person so if, if someone's laid back, just like kind of how you are, you're, you know, you're laid back. I feel comfortable talking to you. I'm more extroverted. Now, if you were more like pushy and like saying, you know, stuff to mm-hmm. kind of piss me off, then I'll start to be more introverted. And, and then I'll, then I'll start to, those uh, puzzle pieces will turn more red. So it just goes with the person and the situation, if that makes sense. Yeah. You're almost like a perfect dance partner. You if you're going if you lead, I will follow. If you don't <laughs> if you don't take the lead, then I will take the lead in this dance. Right. I give people one chance that if, if they if they if I get a bad vibe, I mean that's it. I you know, I they might be having a bad day, which I can understand that, but if their personality is to be negative and try to bring me down, it's not going to happen. I will say first as someone that works in, I, I work in comedy as well as a day job. So I can tell you that comedy is, is a lot of first impression. Yep. You'd never get a second chance at that. And so if your first impression is that you're going to be, you know, if you're on their radar as somebody that they're going to have to worry about, then it takes a lot to kind of get past that first impression. Just like you said, with you get one chance, you know, it. If they're having a bad day, it's hard to convince you again that it was just a bad day because you're all you're you're still looking for those those things that that turned you off in the first place to them, to their, I guess, what you would call energy. And so I totally get that when you when you say you have one chance and that's why I try to. I just try to be me. I don't. I don't try exactly. to gear, you know, oh, he, he's an empath. Let me, you know, talk about <laughs> empath stuff. I was like, right. let me talk about it in the way I do. And then he can, you know, see where I'm going with it and take it uh, the same direction or go in a different direction. I'll follow. Right. And, and that's one of the nice things is like, I like to make sure, like, I mean, I give everyone a fair share, you know, um, but it's also environmental, I think, and it's learned from you know, childhood. So I think a lot of my experiences that have shaped me today have come from my childhood and, um, you know, growing up in, you know, when I was small and it's just something that's 
in me and it's it's a switch that either turns on or off so i'm at that point now where just recently when i'm embracing this empath and highly sensitive things uh i'm starting to kind of be a little bit more open minded and and just uh you know let people be who they are and like i said it helps when you when you have an idea about you that maybe you're doing something it's like okay maybe i'm being a little too aggressive in and you can kind of guide yourself too because i've i've always felt like awkward and weird around people and now that i realize that oh it's possibly this i kind of take away those stressors or i guess you know take off those blinders to say that he you know he's saying something you know he's being outwardly rude you know i can't i can't hang out with this person you know i'm like okay maybe this is how he is and this is just a defense mechanism to him to be extra macho because he's afraid to be vulnerable right i let that i let that slide more than i would be like oh, okay this guy's just a jerk you know you know let's get out of here and you know try not to talk to this person again right I mean, I, I have friends that that I've known for like 10, 15 years and, you know, they do a lot of stuff that I've just accepted uh, them to be who they are based on their personality. Mm-hmm. I can understand why they, they say the things they do just because I, I've known them so long. But if, if, if I've just met somebody and they act the same way, I don't know if I'd give them the same same shake, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I would have to know somebody. So I understand what you're saying. So you, when you said you talk about energies, could you, I would, I'd love to hear more about what you, what, an, what energy is, as you were telling me before the show, you can actually sitting next to somebody kind of feel that yeah. and it kind of molds you. So mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that. So w- when I was just growing up, um, you know, I, I would be, in a very stressful environment, uh, my surroundings, I was always self-conscious of myself. So that hyper-awareness um, got me to a point where my nervous system was constantly on go, go, go. So it's not something that I can just shut off or shut on. It just It's just on all the time. You can imagine how much mm-hmm. taxing that can be, not only like physically, but mentally. So from a young age, when I would, I would go anywhere, uh, in a, in a, let's say school or, you know, you're in the playground or you're in with a teacher, I was able to look at someone just by their body language, their arms crossed, you know, just standing there across the room. I I would be able to read them and know if it's okay to approach them or not, because I was always afraid that they would do something like. Maybe they would, they wouldn't accept me, or they would yell at me, and so I was a people pleaser, and that's one of the biggest traits as being an empath is wanting to please others before yourself. And um, I didn't know any of that stuff until now, mm-hmm. but now when I read people, um, I can pretty much have a conversation with somebody in the room and just get a really good sense of their motive, like. If they're trying to, you know, be genuine or are they trying to get something from me? And again, this is something that can be a gift 
but it can also work against you because if you're reading people all the time, mm-hmm. it could actually wreak havoc on your whole nervous system and you can have a breakdown. And I've had a couple of those because I've my nervous system just never had any chances to calm down until I figured out ways to, you know, meditate and breathe and do journaling and you know, have meaningful conversations and have a small circle of friends, but Mm -hmm. the prior all to that i was i was a mess like i would come home from work and i wouldn't understand like why they were treating me this way and why i wanted to work extra hours and please them and hit my numbers and make them all happy but at the end of the day i wasn't happy so reading energies can be taxing and and like I said, it's it's something that empaths have naturally. Some are so good, they can actually read the surroundings of outside of, I mean, crazy as it is, like trees and animals and stuff. I'm not quite there yet, but I, I've talked to a couple empaths that they, they are truly amazing, that they can read people and like their surroundings. I'm more of a people person reader, so I can read like more more of a person's overall, uh, you know, their motives, if, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So you can, you're one of those people that can read people on a date. Like you're like, I know where this date is going five minutes in. Um, <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> then I'd be married, right? No, um, I guess with a date, like, you know, I'm not like a psychic or a clairvoyance. Mm-hmm. Um, although there are, there are th- empaths that are very in tune with that. I would say like I I could I could say I can go as far as saying I can know if the person is in it be- they're with their whole mind or they're doing it for other reasons whether it's like oh I want to date this person because they're a huge you know YouTube star and this and that like I would find that out within the first 5 minutes like I know if someone's genuine or not and and it took decades for me to figure this out like so it wasn't overnight so just to let all the listeners know it it takes time. You have to hone your skills. And then finally, when you get to my old age, um, you start to really hone in and, and tweak your your um, your powers, if you want to call it that. So were you bullied a lot in high school because of your sensitivity? Like, did people... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I was different. I looked different, you know? And so yeah. I was I was like the only kid in, in my high school. Well, no, there was a few, but I mean, I was, I was the oddball out if, if that makes sense. And I was a skinny guy and, you know, so I didn't really have that many friends. So I had to be able to read people and ready to fight and know my surroundings and which hallways to go to and, you know, which people to avoid. So that started early. And And I got to say, what I learned back then, I still use today, like even in the workforce, you know, you got all this corporate structure. When I had a corporate job, I know who I'd want to stay away from and give one word answers, who the narcissist was, who was the go to person that I can trust. You know, so those all played a significant role once I got into the real world. But when I was growing up, it was it was pure hell. Yeah, I I was bullied a lot as well because I am small in stature. And because of my social awkwardness, people that I was definitely like the weakest of the herd. And so they would thin me out immediately. And so I, I, you're, you said you were 45. So it was like, you're my age. So you probably also grew up in that kind of, I guess, callous childhood 
where parents weren't as involved and you didn't want to involve your parents because you knew that would just somehow make it worse. Well, and then there's the cultural aspect. You know, I'm East Indian, so education was a, a big deal and getting good grades and also playing the part. You know, I had to be the good guy and always say yes to the parents and please them and worship the you know them and and do what they're what I, what they told me to and and I and I did to a certain extent until I got into my teenage years and then I rebelled and got two half sleeves tattoos and started playing heavy metal on my guitar like what <laughs> Ooh. so what so what heavy metal bands do you because I grew up with heavy metal as well I, I mean, I, 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 I love the eighties. Like I love the eighties rock. Um, cause I grew up in that, but then I got into like more of the, you know, I went from guns and roses and I took it up a notch to disturbed and then Godsmack, And then, you know, when you get a little heavier to Pantera, I mean, I start, I started playing all that stuff to get my aggression out and all that energy that I've been getting from everyone. I was like, I'm going to play this song. And, and it was therapeutic. Like I, most yes. of my life, music like saved me. To be honest, yeah. as an empath, yeah. like that was my savior right there. Like playing the guitar. Because I totally identify with that. Because that's it. I was always angry as a child. So listening to metal because of my short stature and because I couldn't express my anger. Because if I expressed it at home, what's wrong with you? If I expressed it at school, I I wasn't nearly strong or person enough to to really to make an impact only to have that anger basically be reflected on somebody bigger than me so i definitely gravitated to metal and i would (laughs) say it started with pantera because we live in dallas fort worth and they're yeah they're based out of here so in my comedy i did get to meet uh vinnie paul oh yeah he's my idol next to dime bag like i i had Mm -hmm. uh, one of his dime bolt guitars you know signed I mean, that was my prized possession, you know, his signature guitar. Like, I was really into that stuff. Like, I was into Pantera, and I love those boys. Uh, uh, you know, uh, rest their souls. You know, they're both, well, both gone. But I mean, there were some great musicians. But, but that's that's exactly how I I um, dealt with the bullying and um, the anger uh, through bands like that. I mean, growing up, mm-hmm. which I still listen to at times. Like, I still listen to Nothing Face Entombed and. Yeah. <laughs> Anything Roadrunner Records. Roadrunner Records really never steered me astray. So I would always go on Roadrunner's website growing up. And whoever their bands were, I would definitely go check them out. Either on Napster or or where uh, what other streaming service that they offered right. back Napster. in the early nineties <laughs> that we weren't supposed to have. You know, it's it's so funny, like just the music today is just I mean, I've, I, I, it's hard for me to vibe with it back, uh, you know, when I was in the 80s. But, you know, I use music as a, to believe it or not, to calm me down. Especially the fear that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It, I listen to, to all kinds of music to calm my, uh, my nervous system. And, and it's not always Pantera, but I mean, yeah. it can be, you know, Mozart at times. But I mean, I have to listen to certain music based on my mood. So for anybody that is dealing with any fear or anxiety or if you're an empath or a highly sensitive person, uh, music for some people are, is therapeutic, whether you play it or you listen to it. Um, and that's probably Absolutely. one of the reasons, I mean, when I was sent to my room, I would listen to Guns N' Roses, you know, all day long. 
Oh, it's yeah. it's like it's like a like a girlfriend, you know. <laughs> yes, I totally I totally agree. Like, I have a very diverse playlist, and some if I feel like I'm kind of lost, because sometimes I will. I I guess as an empath, you definitely feel the feeling of overwhelmness, and that you kind of get like a lost at sea feeling, where you where you're just kind of. You're kind of in the day, but you're everything's kind of a blur. And so, like, if you drive somewhere that you've driven, you know, a hundred times before, you may take the wrong route, and you realize, oh, it's two blocks the other way, and you have to turn back around, and you're just kind of in a daze. Like, that's when I will, I will definitely make sure I listen to music at some point just to kind of pull me back to center, I guess would be the way I would put it. So I'm not too far out of it and I'm not too hyper into it I just kind of I kind of rediscover myself when I because if I don't listen to music after a certain while I do find myself like overstrained or you know out of balance yeah same here I mean music changed my life and I still play it till to this day you know but um you play an instrument yeah I play the electric guitar I, I I've been collecting guitars and and I play all. Mm-hmm. I try to. I'm not no Dimebag Daryl, but um, I've tried to play, you know, a lot of cover songs. I was in a band in college, but you know now it's like I just play for fun and yeah, you know, record on GarageBand. <laughs> and that's a, that's a cool thing with like GarageBand and things like Audacity is that you can kind of, if you are a musician and you're stuck in the pandemic, you can you can definitely you know record and playback and and just kind of occupy your mind with something i guess audio creative we're getting a little off off on music here this podcast is more about fear so i'm going to try (laughs) to steer us back here so you have you live in detroit and so or in the detroit area how what is that like as an empath (laughs) Well, I don't leave my house if that tells you anything. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I have three bolts on my door and I look out the window all day. Uh no, it's I I like it. I mean, I I lived in California for a, a while and then um I was out west in Arizona for most of like, you know, 2000 to 2010. But then I came back here to Detroit. You know, it, it's okay. I mean, it, there's I I just feel like I'm more of a person that needs to be in the sunlight and you know, I don't like the snow and all that kind of jazz. I'd like to check out Texas, to be honest. Like I have friends in San Antonio and Dallas and uh, Austin. So I really want to check out Austin area. I don't see myself living in Detroit very long. Um, as an empath, there's, I mean, there is a community here, but I think Austin would be a good place just cause I feel like, it's like drawing me in yes. towards the empath craziness there. <laughs> yeah. I would say Austin is is very much I would say the the if you're looking for a hippie culture, that's definitely going to be Austin. Um Santa, Houston is more business and oil money, but there is still a cool there's still a cool scene there. Dallas is very old older i would say and a little bit more conservative but the city is really cool like i love living here it's a very underrated city every it, it comes across here i don't know how it comes across but it feels like it comes across that we're all wearing cowboy boots and 
you know, have ranches. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really not. It's really a really cool scene. It just doesn't see it seems like it's the Dallas Cowboys and that's all you know about (laughs) Dallas. Dallas doesn't do a good job of telling you what all is here. As far as it is as being an empath, yes, Austin would probably be the most ideal location. It's really cool. I just can't see myself living there because I'm a busybody, and it just feels like that place is more for the the creative that has to find themselves. And it, it's more, it's definitely more spiritual than I am. I grew up in Houston, so both those two cities are both my love. So I, maybe that's just my environment of growing around big, bustling, busy, you know, cities that don't have a lot of public transportation. Right. So that could be why I'd love Austin to visit, but I just I don't think I could live there. Yeah, that makes sense. No, I, I hear you. A lot of my listeners, um, I they have. I mean, they 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 like the whole like West Coast, you know, big cities, but. The empaths tend to stay away from large, like cities and stuff, because the noise and the lights, that that really bothers them. And I lived in Chicago, and that was a kind of a busy downtown area. Um, it was just a lot of, a lot of energy coming to me, like going on the subway, parking parallel parking your car in the dead winter, like all that is very stressful. Like so. Yeah. You know, I, I prefer more of a laid back suburb type. <laughs> yeah. Austin's definitely that outside of driving on their one freeway, which is outrageously trafficy. It's really cool city. They only have they have like one highway and they're they're working on getting things bigger. Another city you might check out is Nashville. I know it's on the rise, but it's still kind of I feel like it's you know, almost like there's a lot of places to relax, but also if you need to get something, here's downtown. I just, I thought that city was really cool and it's really growing. Yeah. So to answer your question about living in Detroit, it's, it's okay. I was going to say it's very, it just seemed, there's a lot of, it always feels like it's a negative. Detroit always feels like it's the underdog city. Of 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 all the cities that you talk about, like all the big <laughs> cities across the United States, it's always Detroit is always the one that's <laughs> you know having you know recessions or you know job market yeah. and not to mention it's a swing state, so the political turmoil that that state's got to be in because here in Texas, because it's pretty much a red state, even though we do have a a large Democratic following in every major city. Because of the outlying countries, it it turns red because of, you know, that we have a lot of, you know, outlying counties and the way, you know, the way the political system's set up. We're always a red state. So we don't, even though there are people that don't like Republicans, it's still a pretty cool place to live. It's not like everybody is out with pitchforks. You go to the city, it's it's perfectly fine. But. I can't imagine like a state like Michigan where, you know, if you even when you cast your vote here as a Democrat, if you are Democratic, you feel like you're just throwing it into you know a penny into a water well. That, you know, this will, you know, yeah, maybe I mean, one day it'll count, but not today. I mean, I, I grew I grew up in Michigan. I mean, I'm just it, it, I don't really care much for it. I live here because I'm my family's here. Mm hmm. But if, yeah. I'm trying to get out. I'm trying to go back to probably out west, not California, because that's a mess too. You know, with the rent 
and the skyrocketing mm-hmm. prices, but I definitely want to go somewhere west and um and and just kind of get away from from this weather and I mean if you look at the Detroit Lions for example like that should be like the I guess if you want to ask about Detroit just think about their seasons in the last couple seasons let's go back a long time like that's pretty mm-hmm. much <laughs> how it sums up how you know the this Detroit like it's just I just feel like it's a disappointment every season. I'm probably going to get a lot of heat for that, but you know what? I'm an empath and you got to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. That was when you said Detroit that was very interesting. Like, well, that's a that's a lot to take in probably as an empath because I just feel like even walking down the street that there's just negative, you know, as you're in, you said energies, you know, a lot of negative energies just immediately. I mean, th- there's, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of great people, good, good, hardworking mm-hmm. people. They get up, they're hard workers. They do what they're supposed to, but they get shafted by the system. And that's another mm-hmm. podcast. I don't, I don't want to go into that, but there's a lot of good people that I've met in Detroit and the people are awesome. However, like you said, the political, the roads that are falling apart, the healthcare system, the schooling, it is not for, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. It's just, I'm only here for one reason and that's my family's here. And then, you know, once they're retired, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm probably going to go to Texas, you know, where, or, uh, somewhere okay. out West. Well, like if you're ever in Dallas, hit Hell me yeah. up. Hell yeah. Yeah. We'll go to a Vinnie Pantera, uh, like a Pantera, like tribute uh, band or something. <laughs> I can definitely, we can definitely find out what's going on in the metal scene here. It does, I will say, concert wise, a lot of metal concerts kind of go the southwestern route and not and don't come to Dallas. There are a few times, like I've been to a couple of killer shows where they had. Well, back in the day, it was uh, we had one with God forbid, you know, Shadows Fall. Lamb of God and can't remember the other ones, but they just kind of, they rotate, they were all like, it's like, man, this is an amazing show. You know, like how, how many people, you know, could say they saw like four of the metal bands in the mid two thousands when we went live and it was, it was a great show. Like I was just blown away by how good the music was. Shadows Fall was amazing i've been to a couple of those shows that's one thing about metal too is like when if they are if it's a label tour like you know the bands you know what you're gonna get and it's a really really killer show yeah so just to bring it back to fear again just to answer your question so detroit you know what how i feel about that as far Mm -hmm. as the fear factor i mean i think i've told you before um that i had i had problems with tight areas and spaces airplanes Mm -hmm. elevators traffic you know all that kind of stuff i mean it it bothered me when i was growing up and it still bothers me today where that Mm -hmm. fear comes from i'm trying i'm I'm finding out that now probably in the last six months as i've been talking to my uh, audience on the oncall empath a lot of people have the same issues a lot of empaths a lot of highly sensitive people they don't like heights buildings cars bridges none of that i'm not such a bad case um i know some people that can't drive or leave out of their go out of their house um because they're just so highly sensitive the energy just overwhelms them i can do it Mm -hmm. but if you ask me 
if I want to, I would tell you no every time. Just because I like to be in my little space and doing my thing. And that's just, that's an introverted thing. But again, like I said, if I come down to Texas and I, I see Pantera, I flip that script and I turn into an extrovert and I want to go out and I want to, you know, have a good time. Mm-hmm. But then the next day I need to kind of take it back a notch Recharge. and go back into my introversion and just yeah. kind of chill out, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it, it's interesting that you that you actually bring the the empath into your fear that you've kind of almost diagnosed, but because you're hypersensitive and that you're in this elevator, airplane, or vehicle with other energies, that that's kind of, that maybe that could also play a role in your being hesitant or afraid of it. Right. Well, it's, it's the fact of not being in control. As empaths, we, we want to have a control of every outcome. We want to please everybody. We want to make sure everyone everything, every situation is, is safe. So what happens is when you're waiting in an airport to get boarded, you're going through that tunnel, which seems like, um, you know, eternity, or you're waiting in that elevator with 10 people in it and it's starting to get sweaty and the elevator stops, or even in traffic, bumper to bumper, LA 405, right? So as an empath, like, even if you have no anxiety, let's say you're just zero anxiety as an empath, it, it is going to like, it's going to be taxing it because we, we want our environments to be a certain way and we want to make sure everything, we keep the peace. And so mm-hmm. what, the reason why I go through all that fear, well, not anymore. I mean, now I've, I've learned to you know, breathe, uh, doing breathing exercises and, um, self, self-talk and, and, uh, you know, just, I've been researching a lot about the nervous system and how to calm it down grounding. So now I can do those things, but like maybe a year ago, I, I wouldn't even go on a highway because, you know, it was all tied up with my, my root cause, which was, you know, I, I wasn't happy. And so when I when I got into a situation like a like an airplane or or a uh, bridge, you know, instead of being excited to go on a vacation, I would get anxiety, and so the body just doesn't know, or the mind, or the brain does not know the difference between excitement and panic. It go, it's the same thing. It's just how you interpret it, which I found very fascinating. So. I can come to you with a present, uh, let's say, of a you know on your birthday, and you can be super excited, and it's a tick, you know, ticket to Cancun. That excitement that you're feeling with your body, you know, you're sweating, you're, you're, you know, you're just screaming out loud in happiness. Well, your body interprets that, or your mind interprets that as, you know, it's it's a good thing, but for me. It's opposite. It's scary. What will happen if we get in a car accident on the way to the airport? And where are we going to stay in Cancun and this and that? So, I mean, that's part of empath, but the other part is anxiety and fear. So my, the way I look at it is not excitement. It's fear. But the brain has to distinguish which one is excitement and which one is fear, which I just thought that was very fascinating that if once I learned and I really 
understood that excitement and fear are the same thing, my anxiety went down like half, like more than half. So that was a big, huge thing for me. That's awesome. I, I do that with animals. Like I, I know that if you're upset around animals, they're upset because they, they look to you and they, you know, animals are empaths. So that's why if you see a cat that always, you know, swats at you or, you know, runs away, there's been some anxiety in its life that it's basically inherited from their owner that tells them that I need to get out of here. That you're, I'm not coming. Another thing I wanted to point out just based on that, I get physical pain. I get so much pain where I have to lie down because the energy is going through my chakra system. I'll get a migraine. I'll get upper lower back pain. Mm -hmm. Uh, all of a sudden, like my headache will be so intense. I'd have to sit down. So the minute I take the stimulus out of there, so if it's a person or let's say I land in another state and everything is fine, my pain goes away. So there is definitely something there. Some people say it's psychosomatic. It's all in my head, blah, blah, blah. No, I really believe that I cause this to myself. Like automatically I get pain in my back when I'm upset. And that's usually around people that are negative and narcissistic, like a boss or somebody that's manipulative. Mm -hmm. I start to get really bad pain. And my body's telling me like, no, we're trying to protect you. And there's this great book by Dr. Um, Sarno, and he talks about TMS. You can Google that. And, he, and basically, he's not alive anymore, but he did his practice based on uh, repressed emotions. So the anger that you have inside that you can't express, it gets trapped in our bodies. And so that's what that is. Mm -hmm. That's why I get pain because I can't scream at somebody because I'm an empath. Oh, hell no. We don't scream at people. We want to, we're opposite. We want, we hold it in. We want to people please. We don't want to, you know, rock the boat. So when we go home after a long day and your boss yells at you, that pain starts from your neck to your shoulders, your lower back, and that's all repressed emotions that have to be released. And it could be released through, you know, exercise, yoga, breathing, journaling, all kinds of methods. But for me, I mean, that's how I lived for most of my life in pain because, but the nice thing is once these people went out of my life, like when I went home from work or the person that I didn't like or that was manipulative, that's narcissistic, once they were gone, I would return back to normal. And that's how I know as an empath that I'm absorbing these negative energies and my body's trying to protect me. It's not trying to hurt me. It's trying to protect me. Yeah, I can, I can definitely feel that. And I, I almost want to ask if maybe it's just your back is hurting because, you're, because the way you said you feel and that you're always on fight or flight, that that's adrenaline, that your adrenal glands yeah. are... Because sometimes when I get wigged out, like my adrenalines will kick it in the gear and then my back yeah. will just seize up from the adrenal glands. I mean, I'll tell you right now, um, especially talking to a lot of my listeners that I would say more than half of my listeners are, are ha they, they deal with chronic pain and a lot of them have no explanation where they're coming from. They've, they haven't had an accident. They've never gotten any type of 
you know, diagnosis, like they went to the doctors, they can't figure out what's wrong with them. So where is this pain coming from? Why, why are they suffering? You know, it's because, I mean, most of my listeners are empaths and highly sensitive people. How is it that 90% of them are in chronic pain of some sort or um, emotional, you know, distress? Because, you know, it's just, that's how we are. We, we want to, we want to people please. We're always holding our tongue, you know, and, and that leads to health problems. And, uh, I've, I've had burnouts, you know, by uh, not speaking up and just keeping my emotions bottled up. Now I'm different. I just say whatever the hell I want, but I, I'm glad I do that because the more I speak my mind and not be in fear, the less pain I have. So back to your question on fear, we have to look at the root cause rather than treating the symptoms. And that's a big problem, especially in the healthcare system. They'll give you a pill like Vicodin or oxycodone or whatever to, uh, to make it go away. But the next day you'll get it right back. So you could keep doing that until your liver like rots and, and you have more health problems, or you can look at the root cause and figure out why you're upset and, get rid of the narcissist, get rid of the person that's causing stress because we're all going to, you know, die one day. And in fact, I have, I wanted to bring up four reminders that I read from a book, you know, this book that I read, um, it's called, uh, fear, the essential wisdom for getting through the storm. Thainich Hen, right? So he says that we all are going to grow old naturally. We can't take anything to our graves. Like our health, are, our health is going to decrease and we're going to get ill. And at the end of the day, we're going to lose all of our people that we love eventually. And that includes the money that, we, that we're working for, all the possessions. Once I understood that, I mean, that concept, the fear just kind of just kind of dissipated because it's like, why am I trying to avoid you know being being uh scared is it because i'm afraid of dying is there a lion in front of me we're you know we're in technology phase we're not in the jungle where lions are chasing us anymore where we're fighting for our life but unfortunately in this day and age our brain doesn't know the difference so we might be fighting for our lives and there's no tiger anywhere around us so mm-hmm. that's one of the things that i feel with a lot of where I feel like a lot of, I guess, anxiety and things come from is what I refer to as the lizard lizard brain activities that's just base animal that no matter how evolved we get, they're still there on a on a baser level. And that's you know, just like, you know, with depression, it's when you feel like you're not being of use. And so if you can find some, you know, I always find that if I'm useful or doing something to not sit there and be alone with my thoughts, and I feel like it's a, you know, some of these things are survive or base, not survival in the 20th century, but in BC or, you know, zero AD, these were survival skills was the ability to be in a tribe and work together. 
you, you said the keyword tribe. <laughs> that's that's the tagline for my show, you know, find yeah. your tribe. And what what I mean by that mm-hmm. is, you know, people that that support you, people that are that are that actually, you know, they get happy when something good happens to you. Now notice notice the people when something good happens to you, they just look at their responses. If they don't really care, they don't, you know, say good job or maybe they're jealous. Those are the people you want to stay away from. And, you know, once I learned that, it's to, you know, be around people. Because we, we, fi- we are the product of the five people that we hang around with. It's scientifically proven. So if I hang around with five people that are negative all day, I'm going to be negative. If I'm with five people that are, you know, go, 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 go-getters and high achievers and, you know, positive, most likely... I'm going to be that way. And we are the product of our environment. And that's where fear comes from. I was, I was uh, brought up in an environment where fear was constantly in our family. And, um, you know, it doesn't matter if, if you were, had brothers and sisters and, you know, parents, you could still feel alone. And that's half of my audience. They, a lot of them are married and they feel alone in a, in a, with their spouse or, you know, they have a big family, they have a big house and a car and they're miserable. You know, why is that? You know, it's because, you know, they're not happy. And mm-hmm. for someone like me where I don't have m- many things and I'm just happy with just the small things I have and the few friends I have, that that to me is more important than trying to go out, trying to get a job that pays me a lot of money so I can buy more things I don't need. And then my fear is still going to be there. My insecurities are still going to be there. So unless I take care of the root problem, it doesn't matter what happens after that because we're always chasing, trying to get to the next step. I think we have to focus on right now, this moment, you know, and, and what we have and be thankful. And gratitude is is definitely one of the reasons I'm alive today because you can find gratitude in every little thing in, in life. And, you know, just every day I, before I go to bed, you know, it's like, I'm glad I have food. I, glad I have a car. I'm glad I can have a podcast, you know. So just all those small things, they, 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 they do add up and that's where the law of attraction comes in. And, and that's a whole different podcast in itself, but there is something to it because I've, I've used it. It works. It's got me out a lot of binds. And if you believe in it, it, and you can see it, it happens, you know, and, um, it's been proven. So I'm a big believer in that as an empath, you know, um, we, we, you know, I think it's really good to believe in something bigger than yourself whatever it might be. I'm not preaching that you should, you know, be this or that, but it's good to at least know that mm-hmm. even if you're gra- yeah. thankful for things around you, it, it does come back to you somehow. The universe does bring it back to you. Mm-hmm. That's definitely good to know. Uh, at some point, hopefully they, it will bring it back. <laughs> it it has. I, I Comedy has changed my life. I I will say that that has been my therapy is just being able to get on stage and go through some of these, what I used to think were terrible moments in my life and kind of, I would call it make my peace with it. Where you just, yeah, I'm afraid of karaoke and you know, it's okay that you're afraid of karaoke. It's not something, you know, Oh my God, I can't tell this girl that I'm on a date with that. I'm terrified of karaoke. She's going to think I'm weird. I got to keep this to myself. You know, let's go to a karaoke bar. 
oh God, you know, it's not anything like that where a date could turn sour anymore. It's one of those things where, yeah, I am afraid of it and it's okay to talk about without feeling like this is wrong. And I think growing up, like when we did in the eight, you know, the eighties and nineties, if you didn't align with the rest of your group or your classmates or your, you know, coworkers, you were kind of ostracized and it's not embraced for your differences. You were kind of, you were pointed out, you were, you you wore them kind of like a, like a wooden sign that you had around you that, you know, you're a wimp because of this, you're a wuss. So it, it, it is definitely interesting as I've gotten older to, to think if I knew then what I know now, how different my life may have been, just how, you know, if I would have just learned earlier on to embrace the fact that I'm like this and just play to my strengths rather than try, try and make, you know, align my strengths with other people's strengths. I, I t- definitely agree with you on that fact. And comedy for you, it, it suits you. It's your zen. It's it's what you do. That's your personality. You're a funny guy, and I'm sure it brings you a lot of joy. And so you want to stick around that. You know, like for me, it's guitar and music and being around positive people. So whatever it is, whether it's comedy, music, um, whatever your, you know, whatever defines you, that's that's what brings you joy. That's what brings you happiness. That's what's going to pretty much make you at peace. I mean, for me, you know, the fear, the anxiety, I just started getting grips on it. And I started focusing on the things that mattered to me the most. And all of that stuff just kind of faded down. It's still there. It's like an air conditioning Mm -hmm. in the background. But a lot of the fear and anxiety have toned down. And it's a lot of it has to do with Mm -hmm. just focusing on the moment and working on my craft, which is making music with guitar and podcasting for you. I'm sure it's going to be podcasting and, you know, comedy and whatever else you, you find that you like. So, so yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent with you. So what is your earliest memory of not liking confined spaces? Like, was there any kind of like seminal moment that just kind of said, this is not happening again? When, when, when I was shoved in the lockers and wrestling, right? <laughs> really? Yeah, I used to be a wrestler in high school. <laughs> 119 pounds. Um, yeah, I got. I, I mean, I got shoved in lockers and stuff. But, you know, I think it didn't start until I started working in the workforce. Like, you know, when I started working for these big companies in downtown Chicago, mm-hmm. and I had to take these elevators a thousand feet up in the air, God knows, and going through traffic. That's, that's when it hit me. Like, it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm no more a kid anymore. Like, but I think the confined spaces is a symbolism for not being able to speak out, get away from childhood, you know, whether it was from school, bullying, whatever, but that's what that symbolizes. And, and so as an adult, I didn't really release that energy. And so when I started working, it got out of control and Mm -hmm. I would take the stairs. I had great legs and quads, but I took the stairs. (laughs) Yeah. Well, now you got me thinking that maybe, you know, in school, like they heard you like you because you think about school, think about kindergarten. You didn't have an assigned seat. You had, you know, you got up from your desk constantly. You had recess. Then first and second grade you still have recess but now you kind of have assigned seating now you've got your own desk 
third grade, less recess. You have assigned seating. Like it's like slowly but surely they kind of confine you as you get older. You know, like fourth and fifth grade, all of a sudden recess is no longer. You just have lunch and then you go back to your assigned seat. And so it's almost like as you get older, your space just starts to constrict like a like a boa constrictor. So it's like even at an early age, you don't realize it until, you know, you're in high school that, you know, all this stuff is, is different and it kind of molds you into where you're in a cubicle that's three by five and you're in an elevator with not many people anymore, but at one point as many people that could fit. And it's almost like they... To be, as you say, you rebelled against the idea that, you know, I feel like you're trying to confine me and I don't wish to be confined. Yeah, and, and like I said, it it does come from past, you know, uh, experiences. And I, I got to point this out that I'm glad it happened to me. I'm glad I fell on my face. I got punched in the gut. And now I'm, you know, in my mid-40s. If I didn't go through that and get punched in the face and uh, or shoved in the locker and fall on my face working all these hours for all these ungrateful companies, and I probably would be married and have a job that I hate and done the whole nine to five thing. I mean, for me right now, I, w- I would never, I would rather be homeless than go back to that kind of bullshit because. All that was, was just a mind, it was just a mind fuck because they would want you to sit in a cubicle all day and work your eyes out, looking at a computer, hit the numbers. And what would you get in and back? You would get nothing. And then that anger, that trauma, that stress, it would basically break down my body. And I got to a point where I'm not willing to sacrifice my time my efforts for somebody else's business. And one of the things that I say is never get a 110% when you get half back, never give it your all to a, another person's business because that's not your business. And so when I learned that, mm-hmm. when I finally really embraced that, that's when I opened my own, own thing. I, you know, did the podcast. I started coaching. I started doing all this stuff. And then I could call the shots. I didn't have to listen to anybody. The fear went away. I didn't have to answer to 10 people on 10 different emails and, you know, write emails and get, you know, recorded calls and why I was late five minutes and here and there. And I'm done with that. I'm at a point where I have to be myself and work for myself. And by putting myself first as an empath, that fear that you're talking about, it naturally goes down. All because of that. All because I'm doing what I want, not what someone's forcing me to do. And that's where that compartment space where being afraid of being in a small space and airplanes and all that, that's where that comes from. That's that stress, that's that's where my mind is saying, I feel like I'm trapped. I can't talk. I don't have a voice. So that fear is now almost gone. And if I didn't go through all those jobs and get shoved in lockers and you know, have my childhood experiences, I would be lost and I would probably be just kind of drifting around trying to apply for the next job, hoping an HR department calls me back with the hundreds and thousands of, inter, you know, resumes. I don't play that anymore. It's all a game. It's, it's, 
it's just rigged. And so I decided to make my own opportunities and it's working well and talking to great people like you with open minds and, uh, sharing to the world to wake up, you know, don't, don't, uh, be asleep. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. And the fear and the anxiety and the pain and all that stuff will naturally go down. Obviously, your environment, you have to make sure you're in the right environment for, for that. You, you know, you want to make sure you're with supportive people around you. You don't want someone bringing you down. But again, life's about, it's not about being trapped in a, in a job or trying to get that dollar. It's about, you know, finding yourself and giving back and, and finding your tribe, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yes, that also, I got that from a Seth Godin book. So that's that's where the, the word tribe came from as I read his book, Tribes, which is, if you haven't read it, is really, it's really a neat book. Like it, it kind of is more like almost like a bunch of magazine articles, but it kind of gives you the idea of you don't have to be at this place. You can make your own place and have the people that follow you come to you rather than try to... Why try to be part of a million, you know, people if, you know, a thousand people totally get you? Wouldn't you rather hang out with those thousand that, you know, are completely, you know, aligned with you and you get along with them versus the millions that maybe don't? And that's kind of where his book, it's very, it's really good read. And it's more, it's kind of a business, but he's also, he's super smart. He's definitely super mom and pop and... He doesn't like big corporations. So it's really interesting to read the, hey, you don't have to go to Walmart to buy groceries. There's this mom and pop grocery store that provides you the same thing. Yeah. Raj, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate you doing this. Hey, I appreciate being where, here. <laughs> where Tell people if they want to, to rebel against the system and open their minds, <laughs> where they can find you on social media to kind of get the, get the ball rolling. On your revolution. Right. I'm going to change the world one person at a time. I'm the on-call empath, Raj Montage. You can find me on Instagram on the on-call empath. It's uh, just on-call empath or just the Facebook group, on-call empath. You can uh, also download the podcast. I have a new guest every week and we talk about empath and highly sensitive stuff and anxiety, fear, trauma. I've had doctors, I've had coaches, I have everyone. In fact, Ryan, I would like to have you one day on it. And, uh, you know, it'd be an honor to have you on my show one day. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. I'd love to, I'd love to do cross promotion and just, to... <laughs> is this, is this your first podcast or have you done it or you've had more? This is my first podcast and I've done, I've done a lot of interviews because I, I decided in July that I would launch on Labor Day, which is when we're recording this. Wow. And I was like, let me learn. I don't, I didn't want to either one, have somebody say, let me do this for you. And then when it comes time to need it done saying, oh, you know, something came up, I can't do it today and be an alert. So I've learned. Yeah. I, I feel real honored to be the first one. Yeah. Well, you're, you're not, you know, I've gotten 26 or 27 interviews done and they're all lined up to go, but wow, you're, you're like my, <laughs> I just tried to be prepared. And if you would see my comedy writings, like I have books, I have books upon books of jokes that I have yet to do in front of people just because I'm like, I've got to get this down. I've got to, I've got to master, you know, how to edit. So I've, I've gotten better at editing like these first oh, three yeah. episodes. 
are good, are pretty good. Well, when you get famous, don't forget me. I, I've been on your show, so. <laughs> well, if I get famous, I don't know how that happened. I, I, I like to just do things for fun, and I, I get that from my dad. My dad is very much a fun maker. Well, thanks again for having me on the show. Um, you're more than welcome to come on the on-call empath anytime, and uh, I'll definitely keep in touch with you. Okay, will do. Next time you're in Texas, let me know. I will, definitely. Thanks, Raj. All right, thanks. So that was Raj Montage. Man, that was a great conversation. I can't believe I just clicked with somebody like that. That's one of the few times that I've really kind of clicked personality-wise. And apologies if we got a little sidetracked in our conversation, but it it was just so fun to have somebody else that had a similar life journey like I have that made kind of the same choices musically and just lifestyle-wise that I have that I just couldn't not talk about it, that it was it was a kindred spirit. And it was just such a fun, fun conversation, just fun to go back and forth with somebody else that has a very similar life experience and, again, kindred spirit. Check out his podcast, The On-Call Empath. It's a fantastic podcast. He has various guests and talks a lot about energies and empathy. And it's a very fascinating deep dive into that, that realm. So definitely check that out. You can also check out Raj Montage on all the various links in the show notes I'll have. Also, for me, if you want to follow me, check me out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, MySpace. I'll be headlining on February 4th. If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and want to do something on a Thursday night, I'll be headlining the Hyenas Dallas location which is in Mockingbird Station, just to the right of the Angelica Theater, facing the station, the train and bus station there on Mockingbird. show will be at 8.30. A link to reserve seats is in the show notes. I encourage you to come out. It'll be my first time headlining. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little excited. After that, I will be again in the Hyannis Dallas location, February 26th to the 28th, with the hilarious Eric Myers. A fantastic comic out of Florida. Amazingly funny. Check him out if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And then March comes up, and there's a lot of family and friend birthdays coming around the month of March and February. So it's an exciting time as we go through 2021. I hope everyone else is doing well with everything that's going on. I thank you guys for listening. To the Sub of All Fears podcast. If you like what you hear, leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts. And now some credits and thank yous for the people that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater, who does my graphics and design for my comedy as well as my podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhite20. Get it, Whitewater. Also, a big thank you to Gunnar Olson for my music. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns, that's G-U-N-B-U-N-S. You can also check out his website at gunnerolson.net, and you can check out his awesome EPs and some music he's got coming out. Real excited for him. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ryan Perio on all social media. That's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O. 
you want to follow the show, I highly recommend it. Instagram and Twitter is at Some Fear Fans. Facebook group is Some of All Fears. If you want to, if you have questions for the show or feedback, email me at SomeFearFans at Gmail. If you want to be a guest on the show, also email me at SomeFearFans at Gmail.com. We can make that happen. Please keep leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you listen to. I, appreciate, I just appreciate seeing that people like what I'm putting out. So if you like what you hear, go ahead and leave a review. I appreciate all of you for listening. And next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening to The Sum of All Fears.